Well, I wonder if you know who said these words. You people are more stupid than a block of wood. Your writings and head are disordered and mixed up, so that it is exceedingly annoying to read and difficult to remember what you write. You are an excellent person, as skillful, clever, and versed in Holy Scripture as a cow in a walnut tree or a sow on a harp. Any ideas? Stephen? Martin Luther. Quite right. Good one. Well done. It was Martin Luther. It was the, the reformer who kicked off the European Reformation in 1517, championed the doctrine of justification by faith alone, the idea that the Bible teaches that we're not saved by what we do for God, but we are saved by what God has done for us in Jesus, and only by what God has done for us. Now, along the way, Luther tended to express things in a rather passionate and emotional way, putting it mildly, he re- but he really, really cared about these things. And even though we might question some of his language and style, the way he put things across, he was standing up against some serious injustices, some evils within the medieval church, and, and humanly speaking, we wouldn't have the level of understanding of the Bible and Christianity today that we have were it not for his influence and others like him. But Luther also said this about the book of James. He said this, the letter of James is really an epistle of straw. It has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. And he said, I almost feel like throwing Jimmy in the stove. Now, what an extraordinary thing to say about a book in the Bible. You know, come on, Martin, you can't say things about that in the Bible, can you? But what is it that might have led him to say things like that in a heated moment? Remember, Martin Luther is the man who has just rediscovered the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And it's been forgotten by many or even most in the medieval church. But it's there and you can see it in the Bible in places like Romans, in Galatians and many, many other places. And then he comes to James chapter 2 verse 24 and he reads this. A person is justified, that means to be made right with God. That person is, a person is justified by what they do and not by faith alone. So if justification by faith alone is your new slogan for the Reformation, you can perhaps see why he might have struggled with this and and sort of wondered what to do with it. But the question is, had he rightly understood what James is actually talking about? Is James really saying the opposite of the Apostle Paul and the rest of the Bible? Or has Luther got the wrong end of the stick? And could we be in danger of getting the wrong end of the stick too? We're going to try and see what James was saying in these verses. And it may be that you're thinking, well, you know, it sounds all a bit sort of theoretical, a bit theological. What difference does it actually make in real life? But do you know, actually, that is exactly the kind of person that James is writing for. We've seen that over the last few weeks. Have you been here? James is actually really practical. He, He really wants our faith to make a difference in our lives. He's not interested in sort of angels on pinheads and all that sort of thing. You're not a proper Christian if you're not concerned for the vulnerable, he says at the end of chapter 1. Don't favour the rich, we saw last time. 
So in these verses in chapter 2, James's basic point is this. It's no good going on about being justified, being right with God by faith, if it makes no difference to your life. Yes, we are justified by faith alone, but what does genuine faith look like? So in these verses, verses 14 to 26 that MJ read for us, James basically says the same thing in three similar but not completely identical ways. So we're going to look at these three things you can see on the handout. So first of all, verses 14 to 17, genuine faith turns words into deeds. Genuine faith turns words into deeds. So he, he gives an analogy from everyday life. What good is it if someone is in need and you simply wish them well. You know, you're out for a walk, and you come across a friend, and they've fallen off their bike, and their knee is bleeding, and they can't walk, and the chain has come off their bike completely, and you greet them, and you say, I'm so sorry to see you like this. That must really hurt. And it's going to be really difficult to get home, isn't it, when your chains come off and all that kind of thing? Oh, well, I hope you make it. See you later. Bye-bye. Have a nice day, and off you go. So your, your lack of action would show that your words are actually meaningless. You're not wishing this person well at all, because if you did, you would do something to help them, do you see? And it's the same with faith, James says. If you actually have faith in Christ, it will show in your life. You won't just say you have faith in Christ, your words will turn into action. Because the thing is, Christians are great at talking, you know, we can sit in a Bible study maybe and we can nod our heads and all agree about how important it is to pray and how important it is to talk to our friends about Jesus and how important it is for Christians to have a heart for the disadvantaged and we can talk about all these things and we can even pray about them and we can smile encouragingly at each other and then very easily we can all go home and carry on exactly as we were before we arrived that evening. Looking at James's arguments elsewhere in the letter, what would he be saying? He'd be saying, don't just talk about being concerned for the poor. Actually care for them. Don't just talk about doing evangelism. Actually share the gospel with your friends and colleagues. Don't just talk about prayer. Get on your knees and pray. To do anything else is double-mindedness. It's ridiculous hypocrisy. So he says that. And then in verses 18 to 19, he goes further. So genuine faith turns words into deeds. Now genuine faith goes beyond belief. In verse 18, he's speaking to the person. He says, you know, there's, there's different types of Christian. You're, you're an action type of Christian, but me, do you know, I'm a faith type of Christian. I just really, really, really believe in Jesus. And that's enough for me. But James has got a blunt response to that. Believing in itself is nothing to write home about. You say you believe in God. You say the creed each week. Well, good, but actually even demons believe in God. They believe in him and they hate him. So just believing isn't enough. Faith goes beyond belief into actually living in response to it. It's helpful to see that. Often people think that the big question is whether or not 
God exists. But the big question is not whether or not you believe in God. The, the big question is whether you trust him. Whether you're prepared to live your life differently on the basis of that trust. Whether you're prepared to stake life and death on believing in him. It's often said it's like believing there's a bomb under your seat. You know, if you really believe there's a bomb under your seat, how can you possibly stay where you are doing what you're doing? You will get up and run. That is what that belief will make you do. Or, or a bit more positively, perhaps, it's like believing maybe the Queen or, you know, hey, the, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex in their newfound freedom have decided to come and see you, yes, you, in your house or in your flat, and they're coming round in, do you know, 45 minutes' time. They are coming to your house in 45 minutes' time. And as things stand, they're going to walk into a hallway full of your washing that is drying and hasn't been put away, and the washing-ups doesn't been done from last weekend, and the place could really do with a hoover, and they're coming in three quarters of an hour. Now, do you believe that? Well, presumably not, because you're still here. Do you see? If you believed it, belief would very quickly turn to action. So, Christian person, James is saying, you say you believe in Jesus? Well, praise the Lord. You are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And yet. I've got a friend who, when we were at university, did a Christianity Explored course, and at the end I sat down with him, and he agreed that he wanted to pray a prayer of commitment with me. So we prayed, and he, we did this sort of ABC thing that you sometimes do. He, he admitted his sin, A, he believed Jesus had died for his sin, and he came, C, that's B, and then came to Jesus and trusted in him. And it was really exciting, except absolutely nothing changed. He didn't want to come to church, he didn't want to study the Bible, he didn't want to pray, he didn't want to live any differently from anyone else around him. Whatever it meant to him to believe in Jesus, it seemed to have no implications whatsoever. Genuine faith goes beyond belief, says James. And so we ask again, well, how can this be the case? Which, which is it? Is it true that we're justified by faith alone, or is that actually not true? So James finally gives us two examples from the Old Testament in verses 20 to 26 that help to spell out what he means, which is namely that genuine faith is never alone. Genuine faith is never alone. He first of all goes to Abraham. We heard about him in the first reading. And he does that because Abraham is often cited as the great man of faith. The man who trusted God's call and left his homeland and his livelihood and headed off into the unknown, trusting God all the way. And James's point is that even Abraham's faith led to action. He didn't just, be he didn't just believe, he acted on that belief. And then he talks about Abraham and Isaac. How was it clear that Abraham believed the promise that God had made to him about his descendants? Well, it's clear because Abraham was prepared to take his son Isaac to the top of a mountain and get him ready for a sacrifice. Now, if he hadn't been 100% trusting in God, he would never have done that. You know, think about it. Remember, Abraham and Sarah had spent maybe the first 80 years of their life childless, 
which, which for most of us would be a pretty clear indicator that things weren't going to change. But then God came to Abraham and told him that Sarah was going to have a baby. And what does he do? He laughs. Of course he does. It's the most ridiculous thing he's ever heard. And God says, trust me. And he does. But lo and behold, Sarah has a baby. And they call him Isaac, which means he laughs. And Abraham can see that God's promises of descendants are coming true. And then at the top of Mount Moriah, suddenly it seems that God is going back on his promise because he's asking Abraham to kill this miracle child. But what does Abraham do? He trusts him. He thinks God must have a plan that I don't understand right now. And how do we know that he trusts God? Because he does what God says right up to the point where God provides a ram in the thicket to be sacrificed in Isaac's place. And so James says his faith is demonstrated by his actions. You can tell he trusted God by what he did. And it's the same with Rahab and the spies, he then says in verse 25. That's the story in Joshua in the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 2, and the Israelite spies creep into Jericho and she, she looks after them and welcomes them. And then she sends them one way and tells the Jericho authorities that they went another way. And then when the city is destroyed, Rahab is saved. How could you see Rahab was righteous, James says? Not simply because she said she trusted the God of Israel as Israel surrounded Jericho, but you could tell because of what she did. So what then does James mean in verse 24 when he says that the person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone? He means that genuine faith shows itself in action. If you're trusting Jesus, it will make a difference in your life. But this is really important. This is not the same as saying that God accepts you because of your actions. Let me try and demonstrate the difference. So, suppose I have a bit of a funny turn and I decide to stand here and flap my wings and quack and waddle. I won't do that, but imagine, imagine I did. I'm flapping my wings, I'm quacking, and I'm waddling. I do all those things. Does that make me a duck? I don't think so. But, turn it the other way around. I find an animal, maybe out on the heath, and I've managed to pick this animal up. And I'm wondering, is this a duck? But it has no wings. It doesn't quack. And there is no waddling to be seen at all. Well, I ought to have serious doubts that this is actually a duck. It might just be someone's dog or something like that. But you see, flapping and quacking and waddling doesn't make you a duck. But if you find a duck, you would expect it to do all those things. Do you see? And it's the same with faith. The actions that result from faith don't save us. Faith saves us when we trust in Jesus. But if we have genuine faith, it will result in action. And if, therefore, we say we trust Jesus, but it makes absolutely no difference in our lives, well, then we ought to be asking ourselves whether our faith is, in fact, genuine. And you do meet people who say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I, you know, I think Jesus was a great guy. Are you part of a church? Are you seeking to get to know Jesus better? Are you, are you, are you anxious to open the Bible and get to know him and, and, and talk to him in prayer in, in, in simple ways? That's the question, isn't it? 
Just saying, I believe, isn't the same as seeing that go into action. That's what James wants us to see. Well, despite Martin Luther's protestations about the letter of James, it seems he did manage to resolve this tension in his own mind, and he put it like this. He said, we are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone, which is exactly what we've been seen, what we've seen James saying here. If you really believe that Jesus died for you and that you're saved, it will be obvious in your life. Now, the application for James, if you like, comes later in the book, and that is you know, what the body then goes on to in, in the letter. But in effect, it comes down to this. To the person who is yet to believe in Jesus for themselves, James says, well, have you understood? Have you understood that when you trust Jesus, you receive the life he offers as a free gift? But it's a life that will then change you. Have you understood that, he says? Have you you asked God to give you that free gift by trusting in Jesus. It's going to change everything, but it starts by simply trusting in him. And that might even be you this evening. Have you put your trust in Jesus? That's what he calls you to do. And for the rest, if we say we believe in Jesus, but actually our life and our priorities and the things that we celebrate and the things that make us sad are all exactly the same, as our atheist next-door neighbour or the colleague who sits at the next desk or the friend that we sit next to in class. Well, something isn't quite right, is it? Ah, oh, no, no, we might say, I, but I, I have faith. I have faith. Well, no, J- James says, where's the action that comes from that faith that, that actually demonstrates that your faith is genuine? Is there self-sacrificial love and service? Is there growth in godliness? Is there prayer? Is there talk of God and Jesus in everyday life? Of course, when we, we know that we're sinners and we know that we don't do these things consistently and we know that there is grace for sinners when we mess up and we keep coming back to Jesus to receive that. But if actually, to all intents and purposes, apart from the time we spend in church on a Sunday, our lives are completely indistinguishable from those around us, James is saying, no, that's not right. Faith without deeds is dead. Don't be double-minded. Faith without deeds is useless. Faith without deeds is dead. Well, let's pray and let's have a moment to reflect on that. We're going to have a time of Q&A as well after the service, which is optional, but if you, if you need to go, that's fine. But if you want to stay and try and tease these things out a bit more and, and think about what that means for us, please do stay and ask a question. We'll have some more details about that later. Um, but let me, let's have a, a moment of quiet now and then we'll pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that it is faith alone in him that saves us. We need to hear that as we reflect on our own lives and the ways we continue to continually fall short of your perfect standards for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for us. Thank you that we can trust in him. Father, for anybody who's yet to do that, I pray that you would... Enable them to come to you and simply trust in Jesus today. And we pray then that as we believe in Jesus and as we have that confidence that you have accepted us and 
that we're right with you, that there's nothing that can separate us from you. We pray that that would then turn into action in our lives. Not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we want to live out what you have done for us. We pray that you would work in us by your Holy Spirit so that we would serve you in word and in deed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.